What's good, Barbara? This is John Bugs and Sydney Taylor. And today on our podcast, uh, we would specifically like to talk about dominant narratives and counter narratives, which are uh, both two subjects that we repeatedly touched upon in class. And um, to get this podcast started off, I would um, first like to uh, ask Sydney, uh, in her opinion, what what makes a counter narrative? Um, counter narratives can be described as stories that raise questions or concerns about dominant narratives. Um, they can be very specific, or they can be very broad. There are def- there are also many characteristics. We don't hear them often. They're really not accessible. They're not always seen as legitimate. Um, the many, many people creating these stories are not do not always have money, power, or prestige. And they also raise questions about dominant ideology. They're typically told from perspectives of non-dominant or non-normative groups, usually groups of less societal power or viewed as other. The effects that they have on their ability to empower the communities, and, the, and in this case, they affect the hollow of those that we cover in class. So, um... You said that they uh, affect the uh, Hollywood films that we covered in class. Uh, could you like give me an example of a uh, counter narrative that we reviewed uh, during class this semester? Yeah, um, for example, the school, the movie School Ties. Um, it based upon the protagonist David Green being brought to a prep school. Although he's from a working-class background, and he is also Jewish, he is brought to the school to help their football team. But because of his background, he has trouble making friends, and later leads to him being rejected and bullied by other students in the prep school. David definitely shows a sense of utilitarian individualism, and can be described as a hardworking and a child of discipline. He also has perseverance, individual responsibility, and can always help lead to success. Um, he shows individual individualism, and he stands up for himself. This this movie displays kind of narratives in different ways, and talks about different ideas and topics. The topics include culture and people. They're usually shown to pro- to provide different perspectives and different outlooks on these topics and ideas and how they come today. So, uh, why do uh, counter narratives in school ties? Why do they matter? They matter because they speak on the fact that children with wealthier with wealthier backgrounds are usually better than students who are lower class and minority. Minority. And also that the dominant people are not playing these kind of narratives, and they get to see how it is in the life of a non-dominant person, uh, which could sometimes be difficult. It's difficult uh, in the eyes of the uh, more dominant people to see what's actually going on and to be confronted by it. But it's a great way uh, in counter narratives just to magnify the problems and put them face to face with the dominant people and make them see that the struggles and uh, the trials and tribulations and the hardships that 
people who don't identify as the normal people or the traditional people that they have such a tougher time in the American society. And these kind of narratives films do a good job in portraying that. So with that being said, and um, Sydney giving her spiel on counter narratives and me backing her up, uh, I now uh, turn the podcast over to Sydney for her to answer me some questions. Okay, so now that we have talked about counter narratives, I want to hear your opinions on the dominant narratives. What dominant narratives exist about you? Uh, so there's many of them. I'm black, so. Uh, they usually start off with like uh, unprofessionalism, being of a lower class, no family support, uh, an athlete with a lack of grades, uh, ignorance, potential drug use, potential dropouts, uh, being non-religious, and, uh, and potential to be involved with drugs, gangs, and violence. And those type of things. If you could talk back to those narratives, what would you say? Uh, that's definitely not me. Uh, although I have braids, although my ears are pierced, I feel like I'm very professional. Uh, throughout high school, I had a 4.0 GPA the whole time. I uh, never got a B. Um, many of my white teachers recommended me to all the schools. I got accepted into two Ivy League schools. I'm not a bad kid. Uh, My parents are uh, very supportive of me. My extended family is very supportive of me, uh, physically, mentally, and financially. Uh, I graduated high school, so that potential dropout stigma is gone. I don't deal with drugs. I live in a great neighborhood with other great black people. And uh, that's not usually the case. So I feel like that those dominant narratives are bullshit and they don't exist for me. Thank you for your opinion. Now one last question. Do you think these dominant narratives exist on campus? Oh, well, yes. depends on uh, who's your professor. And I also think it depends with the students. Uh, many times if I go to parties or many times if I'm in class, I'm sleepy or something like that. And they just think, oh, you're an athlete. Uh, you, someone else do, does your work or you go to tutoring. So you have someone to do your work for you. And that's clearly not the case. It's just, it's hard to balance being an athlete and being a college student and being black and in the state of Massachusetts where it's dominated by um, mostly white people, then uh, I think that it can't help but be alive because it's dominated by the majority race.